What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Brothers Fantasy Football Podcast. That podcast by two brothers from the same mother, giving you their fantasy takes, hits, analysis, and everything in between. As usual, it's your boy Derek here for another week. And, of course, with the big bro, Daryl. Daryl, my man, week two is in the bag. How you feeling out here? Um, a little bit, a little bit mixed, man. Some fantasy stuff didn't go my way. Some fantasy stuff did. Um, that is the nature of the game we play. But yep. I'd rather be, I'd rather have it than not. So, yeah, on balance, I'm straight. <laughs> yeah, man. I think it's been full fledged. Like, oh yeah, this is what fantasy is this week. Like we've experienced injuries, which we'll talk about later. I've experienced good fortune where one of my opponents in the league spent half his fab budget on Puka and did not start him. So it's just the full <laughs> emotions of like fantasy, good fortune, but also injuries. Welcome back to fantasy. We're here. That right there is like the complete, that's the complete opposite feeling of what I think is the worst fantasy loss, which is you score the second most points in a week. But you just so happen to play the team that scored the most, um, <laughs> which I had one of those this week. So, you know, yeah, it's it's yin and yang, yin and yang. It's fantasy to the T, bro. <laughs> but as usual, this is our um, kind of our recap show here. We'll, you know, do our usual segment regarding that. We have waivers, of course, and then we'll hit that betting sheet, seeing how things went for week two. But speaking of week two, let's go ahead and wrap that ish up, B, our weekly segment where we discuss the highlights, lowlights, and any other things that caught our eyes as it relates to fantasy football, this time for week two. So we'll go ahead and start with a game we briefly discussed in the preview episode, but we didn't get into the nitty gritty of it. Um, the Philadelphia-Minnesota game in which Philadelphia did come out with the dub. Minnesota with the points prevailed, though, uh, 34 to 28. Let's start on the Philly side, Daryl. It's kind of two notes that I had. We'll go with this first note here. DeAndre swiftly taking over the backfield. 28 attempts, 175 yards in a tutty, and also three receptions for six yards. Is this his backfield now? Well, I I don't know if I said this on the last pod or if I was just talking to you in general, but you know that that toothpaste is out of the tube. There's there's no there's no going back. That that man gave you you know the usage was impeccable, the production, the efficiency, like he he showed fantasy managers and he showed those coaches that you can't go back to the way you used him in week one. You know, this man just has too much juice. He needs to be on the field. And Kenny Gainwell, God bless him, is not the type of talent to keep DeAndre Swift off the field. I would I would imagine that the Philly coaches saw that so that going forward, you know, I don't I don't know what his usage will look like, but it will certainly have I, I can't imagine that it would dip um, back down to what we saw in 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 week one. You know, Gamewell had a 62% snap share in week one. They there's there's no way. 
there's there's just absolutely no way they they could go back to that. So boy, no I don't way, know if boy. it's gonna be a one A one B thing, but yeah, yeah, exactly. Ain't no way. <laughs> um, so yeah, I don't know about the takeover, but he he certainly he certainly should be he, he certainly should be in that rotation much more heavily than he was in week one. Yeah. Oh boy, puberty. Yeah, fully agree with you. Um, first week he had twenty eight percent of the snaps. Um, this past week he saw seventy six percent of the snaps, sixty four percent of the rushing attempts, and ran fifty percent of the routes, and even saw a fourteen percent target share. Um, yeah, it's it's going to be somewhere in between that twenty eight to seventy six. It, it just has to be with the performance that he put out there, and you know, credit to Minnesota, man. Like they allowed this to happen. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for allowing this to happen. Um, I'm mainly sour grapes there. Cause I had multiple shares of Kenny Gainwell and other leagues. And after that first week one, it was like, okay, I may have me a cheap running back that I could play every week. And now, you know, it's kind of up in the air. So to me, it's a situation that you're going to have to monitor going forward. And this is even if Gainwell's available for next week. But if you are a DeAndre Swift manager, I think he definitely should be in your lineup. Yeah, yeah, I think it, you know, if let's say Gainwell is back next week, you, I would roll the dice on DeAndre as a, as a flex, um, at, at least, you know. Agreed, agreed. And also wrote on the sheet, uh, Devonta, wide receiver here now. Wide receiver one here now or nah, four for 131 and a touchdown, a 63-yard touchdown at that, being more facetious there. But any notes on Devonta, A.J. Brown, or even Dallas Goddard you have here? Yeah, I found some interesting little nuggets, like looking at that. You know, I think they're they're still in a 1A and 1B situation, and which one is going to be which depends on the day. Because, like, on the season – they both have 11 receptions on 15 targets, and they both have A dots just a little north of 14 yards. So they're kind of tit for tat in that area. You know, the kind of the main the main separator is Devontae has caught a couple bombs and a couple touchdowns, and AJ hasn't hasn't done that. You know, I fully expect that to to balance out. And you know, it could be a situation where Devontae is just running a little hot right now. You know, with those with those two bombs um, and then a couple touchdowns as compared to AJ Reed, or there is a slight chance that you know he's a wide receiver in year three. My boy won the um, he won the Heisman at Alabama, weighing all of 150 pounds. Maybe this is him like going full butterfly. You know, he he's out the cocoon. There is a small chance that that is what's going on. But AJ Brown is so damn good. He's so damn good that it's just really hard to say that A.J. Brown at this point in his career is going to be the wide receiver, too, to somebody else at this point. And so, you know, I tried to um, I tried to dig a little deeper and stuff. So last week, Devontae saw 60% of the air yards. Well, in week one, A.J. saw sixty around 60% of the air yards. Mm-hmm. Not much separation there. Um, I went back to, you know, to the beginning of 2022 up through the first two weeks of this year. It's just a little nugget. So when the Eagles faced man, H.A. saw a 33.5% targets per route run and a 3.8 yards per route run. 
that's just that's Ooh, that's, that's stupid. stupid. That's stupid. <laughs> but here's the thing, though: Devonta was at twenty five and a half percent targets per route run and two point six yards per route run. So he's still acting a fool too. Yeah, that's stupid too. <laughs> You switch it over to zone, it's AJ at 23.6% targets per route run and two and a half yards per route run, still elite. Devontae's at 21.6 targets per route run and 1.8 yards per route run, which is still pretty damn good too. So, you know, there's there's not a whole lot separating them. The one thing to be on the lookout for, though, if you know that the Eagles are about to come up on a team that plays man, put extra chips down on AJ. So, so yeah, I, I still think it's a 1A, 1B situation. Yeah, I fully agree with you on that. I mean, just their stats this year so far, and we're only two games in, they have the same exact target share of 29.4%. Targets per route run is about the same, with uh, AJ actually being a little bit higher at 24%. The main difference is just the yards per route run. Devonta's at 2.7. AJ's at 1.7. And then Devonta has two touchdowns. So, you know, a couple touchdowns here and then a couple of bombs mixed in with that. You know, these numbers are going to be back up for AJ. Yeah, I think it's just a 1A, 1B situation, and it's going to be a week by week or maybe a man versus zone coverage kind of thing, as you alluded to there. Uh, one last note I have, Dallas Goddard, um, not a great game fantasy-wise, but, I mean, he has six targets. It's what you want to see there after kind of goose egging you last last week. So everything is fine there with Dallas, in my opinion. Yeah, 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 for sure. Let's go to that other side, the Minnesota Vikings. Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins. He is, well, he is one of three players to have top five performances in both weeks so far um in all positions it's two tight ends and then the one quarterback is Kirk Cousins didn't have that on my bingo card but 31 for 44 this week 364 yards for touchdowns what you got for me on Kirk man any thoughts on him Kirk was really good last week I'm gonna throw some stats at you real quick a 0.36 EPA per play Ooh, that's 86 percentile 8% completions over expected, 81st percentile. And Minnesota had a 99th percentile EPA on third and fourth down in that game versus Philly. They played well. That's one thing. Another part of it, uh, the Philly pasty might be food. We need to keep an eye on this. Um, I believe they're giving up the most points um, to, uh, to quarterbacks so far through this year. So Baker this week? I don't know. My column soon. Oh, boy. Anyway. <laughs> um, yeah. So, you know, you throw in that, and then you look at kind of the backdrop. Minnesota's currently third in pass rate above expectation, and Kirk is eighth in completion above expectation. So they're passing the ball a lot. Kirk's being very efficient. This is kind of the dream scenario that you were looking for when you draft one of these, you know, kind of non-mobile statue type quarterbacks they're going to need to pass a lot they're going to need to be efficient as hell and you know Kirk is kind of paying you off if uh if if, if you waited a little bit at the quarterback position let the rushers kind of pass you by um so you know while I don't think it's QB1 uh season for for him mm-hmm. I think he you know he can he, he can basically end up 
in a situation where you got a good value on him and were able to stack your roster with position players, with which with all these damn injuries you're going to end up needing this year. So, you know, Kirk, Kirk is kind of paying up. I mean, paying off. And this week they play the Chargers, who just got lit up by Tua and by, Tann- and by Tannehill, you know, relatively speaking on a Titan scale, uh, lit right. up by, by, <laughs> by Tannehill. So that train could just keep on going this week. Yeah, and he's at home too. So, choo choo, keep on trucking, Kirk. I have a yes, team with him where he's my my quarterback, and then I do have at least what I feel stacked at other positions. And so far, it's working out gangbusters. I love it. Yep. Let's go to the wide receivers. Jay Jetta still Jay Jetting, eleven for one fifty nine on thirteen targets, and hey, that rookie Jordan Addison. Three for 72 and a touchdown on five targets. Had a 62-yard touchdown. Now, I didn't write down his stats either, but TJ Hawkinson balled out as well. He had two tutties doing TJ Hawkinson things. But I want to start first with you with Jordan Addison. Is he safe from a weekly starter standpoint in redraft leagues or not? I think he's I think he's certainly you're certainly fine flexing him, especially this week against um against the chargers you know he he saw his route participation tick up from 66 percent in week one to 78 percent and this week that could have had something to do with the you know philadelphia had them in a negative game script from like midway through the second quarter on so that could have mm-hmm. been the impetus for them uh going a whole lot more three wide receiver but that Minnesota defense is very capable of being of being kapai out at any given moment. So um, his chances to, you know, the, the chances for them to have to go pass heavy are right there. And like I mentioned earlier, they're already third in pass rate over expected. So, um, yeah, I, I think he certainly, you know, he he's he certainly flex able at this point. And I think, um, you know, if you drafted him. With the with the idea in mind that you know as the year goes on he's going to overtake KJ Osborne you know there's nothing that there hasn't been anything put into evidence yet to throw you off that um, to, to throw you off that path so yeah I'm I'm liking what what I'm seeing from him you know the the only kind of thing is he might be a little boom busty because you know his you know he's not yet over that eighty percent um, routes run. Yeah, and you really want to see it get above like 85. And his A dot is so damn high that, you know, a couple, you know, a couple overthrows, underthrows, um, defensive pass interferences here and there, you know, it could it could throw off his day. But given what we've seen from him so far, um, I'm 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 good with throwing that man in my lineup. Yeah, I think he kind of has um, that boom bust potential like Deshaun Jackson. Um, But yeah, it's one of those things where you like the uptick in the routes that he's out there. The target share and the targets per route run isn't where you would like it. But, you know, just depending on your team, I think I think it's very possible for him to be, like you said, a flexible play. Um, And also, again, I didn't write his stats down here. But again, shout out to TJ Hawkinson, man, like. I was kind of low on him at his draft cost, and um, yeah, this man is balling out there. Kudos to him. Yeah, he's he's. I, I was in kind of a similar position. I kind of faded, and you had to, 
where was he going like fourth round ish type type of thing? Yeah, during early yeah. draft season. Yeah, and I I wasn't I wasn't investing too much in him at all. And um, yeah, he's he's throwing that right back in my face um, currently. And he is one of the tight ends that has had um, two top five finishes as well. So we got Kirk Cousins, T.J. Hawkinson. We'll talk about the other guy later. Finally, on Minnesota, Alexander Madison. Eight rushes, 28 yards, three catches for 11 yards on six targets. Are there better days ahead for this man, or, or is he in trouble? You know, so they played they played Tampa, and then they just played the Eagles. You know, both of those teams are mm-hmm. they're, they're kind of decent against the running back. So, you know, maybe there could be better days ahead there. But, I mean – when you look at Madison, just from a usage perspective, it's hard to go away from him. He saw 89% of the rush attempts and 61% of the routes. Like it's, it's really hard to sit a guy who's getting that much work on your bench, because if he pops up for, you know, a couple goal line touchdowns, um, you know, I I don't think he's ever really going to be in too much danger of, you know, of you missing out on a 40 yard touchdown from him. But um, you know, missing out on a couple bunnies um, in, inside the goal line or, you know, just they get down. He's, you know, again, 61% of the routes missing out on some dump offs when the Minnesota defense lets them down. And it's, you know, I'd be hard pressed to sit him on my bench. I know it's, it's tough. You know, you just have to kind of put him in your lineup and kind of grit your teeth. Maybe don't even watch the game, but um, you know, I, I, I think it's, it's way too hard to sit that guy given, given what his usage is. I agree with you on that. At least, are you trying to acquire him? Let's go with that. Um, I don't, you know, maybe, maybe not. Yeah, I, I hadn't too much thought, thought about it, but, you know, that, at, at, well, again, you know, this goes without saying at the right price, you know, everybody's a target, but, you know, I think there's kind of a couple ways to look look at it. You know, if you look at his efficiency, he's not really doing too much to keep Ty Chandler from getting a crack at the lineup, but it hasn't happened yet. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, damn, now now it makes me want to go and look at their schedule and see what could be what could possibly be on the horizon for him. Because yeah, he is one of those guys who's who's uh, fantasy who's fantasy managers could be looking to flip him. Or something. So yeah, that I, I think that is a question worthy of investigation. I wish I had a better answer for you than that, like I, off the top of the dome. Well, run the numbers, do the research. I'm sure you have something good for me at some point. We move though to the next game we wanted to look at was the Washington Commanders versus the Denver Broncos. Um, high scoring affair here that the commanders end up pulling off. I think it was 35 to 33. Yep, correct. Let's start with the Washington side. I want to talk about the running backs here with Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson. Big game for B Rob, 18 for 87 and two touchdowns, and had two for 42 receiving with three targets. And Antonio Gibson, only two rushing attempts, nine yards, but had three receptions for 44 yards on three targets. Daryl, what's your thoughts on this running back room going forward? 
I mean, it seems at this point that Brian Robinson just has an iron grip on the rushing work, you know, 75% of, of the rushing work versus, you know, to Gibson's 11%. Like, that's that's domination. Um, and he's he, he's been productive with it, yep. too. So, you know, and he's, you know, Gibbs, um, excuse me, uh, Robinson is out there for 39% of the routes himself. Yep. So, you know, he's he's getting in with the 12% targets per route run. I should throw that in there for some added context because all that is kind of, that's, you know, lower tier RB1, upper tier RB2 type of usage. Mm-hmm. Um, and to my way of thinking, you know, if you're, if you're in a shallow league or, you know, a league with short benches, Gibson, you know, Gibson could be on the chopping block as far as, you know, if you want to go and pick somebody up, off of waivers or something like that. Now, with all the running back injuries we've been having, Gibson will always have some, you know, he'll always have some value. You know, he's he has clear, he has clear handcuff slash contingency value. But the thing that you were counting on with Gibson is that he would have some standalone value in addition to that contingency value. And that's not really right. that's not really bearing out. And B Rob hasn't really done anything to make you think that he was going, you know, that he should be giving up this work. Um, and then, you know, ever since Gibson fumbled, it's just kind of been all down and fumbled in week one. Uh, I think that was kind of early in the game, first, second quarter. It's been pretty much all downhill for, for, for him. So, you know, at the moment, at the moment, I feel like that coaching staff has to love what they're seeing from, from, from Robinson. And I don't see a reason why they would go away from it. Um, so, yeah, B Rob's really great draft value um, up up to this point. Yeah, it was one of those wrong calls, especially for me, man. I was high on A Gip this year, um, getting with Eric Bienemy and whatnot. I didn't think the rushing share would be like this. Like B Rob overall, from the running back rushing attempt standpoint, he's had eighty two percent of the rushes. I expected him to be. Um, his number to be high, the highest on the team, but I didn't expect it to be um, that high and mixed in with like basically getting equal target work with um, Antonio Gibson. It's like, ooh. Um, but yeah. like you said, yeah, if you're one of these leagues with shallow benches and whatnot, completely understand releasing him. But, you know, if you're in these kind of leagues, 12-man leagues with, you know, 16-man rosters, He's probably just going to be a guy that sits on your bench and may not see the light of day until a bye week. At the current, at yeah, least the way yeah. things currently are. Yeah, and in, in a league like that, you know, if you release him, he's he's going to get snatched up. Next up with Washington, Sam Howell. Is he startable? He's QB eleven and QB thirteen um, in these first two weeks. What do you think? I mean, he's. He's looking kind of usable. He's fine. I think he goes, you know, he goes in that streamer category, although probably not this week because they're playing the Bills. So I wouldn't want him in my lineup this week if I could help him. But, you know, efficiency-wise, he's been about average. And, you know, for a guy who's probably on your waiver wire, he's like 15% rostered, you know, you could probably do worse. Um, The thing about him is, Coming into the year, we thought that he'd have more rushing upside than what he's shown. Um, but he's tied in scramble rate with guys like 
Russell Wilson, Jordan Love, Justin Herbert, Matt Stafford. You know, like he's yeah. he 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 hasn't he hasn't really shown that. And you know, his his A dot is not great. Um he's he's not really that aggressive of a passer as far as uh as far as trying to get the ball downfield. I guess those are saying the same thing in two different ways. But um yeah, he's he's not really jumping off the page to me, um, except anything more as, as a streamer. I certainly wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't want to just uh, hold him on my bench, you know, if I'm holding two quarterbacks in a one-quarterback league because I plan on switching between them. I don't necessarily feel the need to just throw him on my bench to see to see what happens. Um, he, he, hasn't, he hasn't done anything to warrant that to me, but in the right matchup, I'm sure he'll be fine. Yeah, agree with that. And next week he has Buffalo at home. I'm not interested. <laughs> um, yeah. To the wide receivers with Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson. So, hey, they played two weeks each. Um, the best finish between the two guys has been a wide receiver 24, which is a wide receiver two. The next finish after that's a wide receiver four area with Dotson the first week with wide receiver 42. Are you concerned or are there better days ahead? Yeah, I'm very concerned about these two. Um, they just been they haven't been able to, you know, kind of separate themselves from their teammates uh in target share. You know, Terry is at 14% targets per route run. Jahan's at 14% routes run. I mean targets per route run. Um, yeah, they're both at for to restate, they're both at 14% targets per route run. That's not elite usage, like, like, like at all. Um, Sam Howell is spreading the ball around, and like I mentioned earlier, um, he Howell is 28th in the league in air yards per target at 5.9. Like, it's really, I don't know if that's just the way that the enemy's been calling it, or that's just Howell's style of quarterbacking. But it's really been a spread it out, dink and dunk type of type of approach that they've been taking. And, you know, Terry did catch that bomb um, last week. Uh, I, I can't remember how long that touchdown was. Made a great grab in the middle of two Bronco defenders, like classic, classic Terry McLaurin stuff. But, you know, the numbers as far as target share and stuff, like they are what they are um, so, so far. And so like, yeah, you know, and that's kind of borne out in, their in their finishes on a weekly basis so yeah i i, I do have some concern there man i'm uh I, i'm not i'm not happy with either of them if, if i drafted them and well i have drafted the both of them you know you're counting best ball and stuff like that so yeah I'm, I'm not really happy with that that's understandable for sure on my end uh, three, their three next games are the bills the eagles and the bears so in particular with the Bills and Eagles, um, I think any chance for them to win this game, they're going to have to have some have some success in the air. Some success in the air. That's a good one. Um, so, yeah, I think we may see a little more uptick in how passing the ball, and I think it has to kind of go through these two to have, you know, something done here. But after that, after those two, they have the Bears. And we've seen Tampa carve them up. We've seen uh, Green Bay have three touchdowns against them. So I think there are better days ahead for these two, but I have a slight concern. 
Well, yeah, and and like I mentioned earlier, Philly, Philly has been giving it up um, to to the passing game um, recently. So oh, recently, these first two games. So you know, while the Bills may not be the best matchup, um, you could see a bounce back as early as Philly. And yeah, you certainly want to target them against the Bears. Yeah. Uh, to the Denver side, we got Russell Wilson, 18 for 32, 308 yards, three touchdowns, one pick. Also gave you 56 yards rushing, good for QB three on the week. Um, obviously, <laughs> about 50, was it 50 or 60 of those yards and a touchdown are a little fugazi from the tip ball at the end to get the touchdown. But, you know. Thoughts on uh, Russ? He's QB2 currently, overall. Right. So Russ is currently third in EPA plus completion over expected, 10th in success rate, third in passer rating when pressured, and 11th in QBR. And yet, man, when I watch this offense, it's just painful. Like, it feels it feels like a mirage, right? Um, it, it, it doesn't feel like he's playing to that level, um, you know, dig a little deeper. Russ currently has a 7.6% touchdown percentage. Basically he's throwing eight, eight touchdowns per 100 passes. The league average TD percent tends to range from 4.2 to 4.8. Yeah. So that's about a, he's about 58% above average. There, he's about 30% higher than his career average as far as touchdown percentage goes. I, I, I don't know, man. This this feels like he's running hot, like, you know, kind of like where we talk about uh, Jordan Love with like an 11.5% touchdown percentage. Like it, it, it just feels like this is going to have to come down. Now, you know, his Russ's rushing production, that's that it's good to see that that came back. And if, if he can keep that up, and provide a little more floor and, you know, provide that floor to his weekly performances, that would, you know, that, that could, that that could help smooth out um, this, uh, this regression that just has to be coming with his touchdown percentage. I mean, his highest season, um, his highest touchdown percentage season for a year was 8.2%. And that was like back in 2014, 2015, something like that when he was prime, prime Russ. So you know, you. It feels like this is a house of cards and, um, and and whatnot. So you know, I'm not totally confident in this, and it kind of pains me to say that because I he's my quarterback in a in a in, in a kind of important um, in a kind of important league. So you know, I'm kind of riding with it right now, but I'm certainly I certainly have my eyes on an off ramp for sure. <laughs> Agree with you on everything you said there. Let's just go ahead and get to these running backs. Uh, Javonta Williams, Samaje P. Ryan. Uh, Javonta, 12 for 44, two receptions and 14 yards on three targets. Samaje, only one carry for four yards. Involved in the passing game, have four targets, three for 20. Um, for me, just real quickly on these two, I think we're, I think. Denver is pretty much confident with putting Javante out there um, from the rush, rushing perspective. And I honestly thought this was going to be a situation where he was going to be eased in more, where I.e., you know, Samaje leads and snaps. But it's just kind of a 50-50 from the snaps 
snap percentage wise. Javante is a clear leader with over 60% of the rushing attempts. And, you know, Samaje is the leader in the routes. You know, he did 46% week one, 60% week two, but their target shares are roughly the same um, with, you know, Samaje at about 12% and Javante actually at 14%. So, it's clear to me that Javanta is kind of the number one here, but Samaje is going to be involved too. So I think what you have here is just a situation where Samaje should probably be on your bench and Javanta is fine as a lower tier two, upper tier three. Yeah. Yeah. That, that feels about right. Um, you know, I guess the one good thing is it's kind of like you mentioned with Javanta that they have him out there, you know, he's not, He's not really being eased back in, um, so, so so to speak. Um, you know, not not in the same sense as you know, like what's going on with Brees and um, in, in New York. You know, sixty percent of the rushing work that's that's you know that's a good that's a good outcome for what you expect it to be a committee. So um, you know, he's getting the lion's share of that. But I'm not I'm I'm not that excited about him. I, I guess I just take comfort in the fact that at least he has that, right? At least he has that, and we know that he can be, he can be a contributor in the passing game. Will we get to see that? I don't know, and that's what kind of dampens my excitement about Javante. Um, as far as P Ryan, you know, he dipped down to five percent of the rushing work in week two, and you know he, he he's out there for the passing downs for the long down and distance in the two minute stuff um but uh, that doesn't feel too good either personally i think p ryan um i I put him in that same uh in that same category as like antonio gibson that he is he he's droppable in a shallow league um you know if, if you're in a deep league and you know you have the roster spot yeah hold on to him because he certainly has contingency um value there and he may have some standalone value maybe help get you through some bye weeks um, once those kick off here in a couple weeks, but you know, I'm not I'm not excited to get P Ryan into my lineups right now. That's that, that's for damn sure. Agreed, agreed to the wide receiver room. Welcome back, Jerry Judy. A uh, very light day for him. Had five targets, but was three for twenty-five. Sudden is looking to be a very viable flex five for 66 here with seven targets, but the fantasy goodness actually came from Marvin Mims with 113 yards and a touchdown on two receptions. And of course, Brandon Johnson, who nobody has on their rosters, two for 66 and two touchdowns. I'll pass it off to you, Daryl. What's your thoughts on this wide receiver room? Um, Well, like you said, I think, Cortland Sutton is a, you know, he's a wide receiver three, four flex type type guy. Um, he's he's out there. He's out there for like 85 plus percent of the routes. There's, you know, upper teens target share. It's it's not it's not great, but it's 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 serviceable. Um, I think I think he's I don't think you can expect much more. From him though, I think like he's topped out at that at, at that usage level, and he just is who he is. Um, so you know you can you can plug him in to your lineup and expect about a low end wide receiver three 
up upper end wide receiver four type type finish. Um, and maybe if he gets into the end zone, you know, he could bump that up to a high end three type of thing. Um, not a whole lot of sizzle there, though. No, nothing that nothing that gets my juices flowing at all. Um, so you know, Jerry Judy made his way back, and he was out there for eighty six percent of the routes on his first game of the season, coming off that hamstring injury. Um, saw fourteen percent targets per route run. So um, you know. You can maybe chalk that up to he's being eased back in, you know, and he's being eased back in or like maybe his athleticism is is getting eased back in because 86 percent route share. That's that's not terrible. That, that, that That's not terrible at all. You for where you drafted him and for what you want to see from him, 14 percent targets per route run. That's not particularly great. So, you know, maybe you could chalk that up to, OK, this guy is just back from. Um, from a hamstring in- injury, hamstring injuries are pretty tricky for wide receivers. So it could take him a game or two to get back, to get himself ramped back up as far as his, you know, effectiveness of his route running. So there's a story you could tell yourself there. And, you know, if you believe that story, then, you know, you, you, you see good things coming for him. And Russ has another, um, what we thought to be elite-ish type weapon um, going forward. So maybe that'll help bolster Russ going forward. I'm, I'm not much of a Jerry Judy guy, but I do leave out hope that, um, you know, he he could be the guy that everybody else th- uh, thought he was going to be coming into the season. Um, Marvin Mims, great to see what he did. Man was only out there for five routes. Um, you know, he got targeted on two of those routes for a 40% targets per route run, which is <laughs> that's elite taken completely out of context, but right. um, I don't know the reason for why he's only out there for five routes a game, um, especially when he comes out there and he just balls like that. Man, you know, I, I don't know, but until that goes up, um, he's at best a stash on a deep roster, um, you know, on, on a deep roster league. And Brandon Johnson just no. Uh, I'm I'm gonna need to see that another time or two from him. <laughs> for sure, for sure. I just had to give him his props. That man had two touchdowns on the week, so I had to mention his name. Yeah. Shout out to shout out to Brandon. <laughs> Let's get into <clears throat> excuse me the next segment. A classic, doing it and doing it and doing it well. Shout out to LL Cool J. I represent Queen. She was raised out in Brooklyn. This is where we, you know, cover some players that have some very good, you know, fantasy performances. And they've done this before. Daniel Jones, welcome back. Starting with a quarterback here. Daniel Jones, QB1 on the week, 26 for 37, 321 yards with two touchdowns and a pick. Also gave you 59 rushing yards and a touchdown against the Arizona Cardinals, to which Josh Dobbs was even a QB5 this week. Oh, man. All right. Um, Any thoughts on these two guys? Yeah, well, after the dud that Daniel Jones put up against the Cowboys and then in the first half of this Cardinals game, it was looking looking real bad for that man. Um, But he, he really came out and did the damn thing in the second half of that game. And this type of performance, the way that he did it, this was the reason that, you know, 
this was the reason for for that play where you waited till the 10th, 11th, 12th round to draft him as kind of um, as kind of getting your hands on a cheaper version of Lamar and Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts kind of thing. Like this is the type of this is the type of game that you that, that you hope for under that scenario. So it was good that he put that on tape or, you know, in the stat books and whatnot. That was that that was good to see. Um, the jury's still out, though, because. Because that offense has looked like garbage. So, um, you know, I'm not all in. I'm not back all in quite yet, but um, I'm about 75 percent back to where I was to start the season. And Josh Dobbs. Hey, man. Um just I think that really kind of goes to show how um, how we should be targeting the Giants offense number one but also it showed that the Cardinals offense given the right matchup can have a bit of a pulse to it you know Marquise Marquise got into the end zone um, James Connor was doing his rumbling bumbling stumbling thing and um, I think Dobbs even trucked the trucked the safety to get into the end zone on a uh, on a scramble so you know, it, good, good to see. Shout shout out to him. Only playable in a super flex for me, though. <laughs> right, right. We got two other quarterbacks here. We got that game between the Seahawks and the Lions. Man, they need to just play each other every year. Last year, this game was a 48-45 to 45 victory for the Seahawks. They come back in here to Detroit, get another dub, 37-31. to 31. Jared Goff, though, was QB6 on the week. 28 for 35, 323 passing yards with three touchdowns and an interception. And also Geno Smith didn't put his stats down here, but he was QB eight on the week as well. Man, Seahawks, Lions, what you got? Um, Yeah, two late round quarterbacks coming through. You know, these these are two of the guys that, um, you know, amongst these are two guys amongst about you know, eight or nine quarterbacks that going into the season, you thought, well, if this happens and that happens and it's dark on Thursday night and, you know, it lands tails, these guys could finish in the, you know, quarterback six through nine on the season. You know, Gino actually did it last year. So, you know, you, you, it was, it was good to see from that perspective. And also, you know, they both, put it into like keep saying this but they both they both put it on paper that if these guys have a juicy matchup you don't need to be too too afraid to get them into your lineup so that's that was my that, that was my main takeaway there oh and also that both of these defenses are kind of foodish <laughs> yeah man yeah man next up we have Zachary Moss running back for the Indianapolis Colts 18 attempts for 88 yards and a touchdown, RB10 on the week. But, hey, we also got to show love to the home team. And even though this is the segment doing it and doing it and doing it well, alluding to players that have had production in the past or most recently and then did it again, I'm shouting out the whole Texas wide receiver room, well, at least the top three guys, because those three guys finish as – Top 40 are better wide receivers. I don't know the last time Houston has done that in the fantasy streets. It's had to have been a minute, but shout-outs to them. 
Nico Collins, seven for 146 in the tutty. Robert Woods, six for 74. And hometown, H-Town, U of H boy, Tank Dell, seven for 72 in the tutty on 10 targets leading the way, just like we had on our bingo cards. Thoughts on all four of these guys are just Zach Moss and Nico, who are we, we were supposed to mention only. Right. Well, as far as the Texans wide receivers go, um, they have the Texans offense has 91 pass attempts over the first two games. They are letting CJ air that thing out. Um, they're not they're, they're not hiding when when the game script calls for it. So that you know we'll we'll talk about this later when we get to a waiver section. That could potentially be something to take advantage of um, because. Quite possibly the Texans will find themselves in negative game scripts a lot uh, this year. So, you know, that, that 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 could be something to leverage as far as your lineups go. Um, so yeah, shout out, shout out to those to those dudes. Um and Zach Moss, you know, he dominated the touches for um for, for the Indianapolis backfield. Uh so you know, and then once Anthony Richardson went down, um Zach Moss was, I can't remember if somebody said this, but I thought it was funny. Zach Moss was finally allowed to score touchdowns. Um, so, oh, man. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, look, from a volume from a volume play, you know, it looks like he's going to be the guy because Deion Jackson kind of played himself off the field in week one. And, you know, Zach, Zach Moss got like nine, like literally, man, he was out there for like, 90 plus percent of the snaps. Um, I do needs to be on rosters, man. Yeah. Yep. And we'll, I'm pretty sure we'll get into that in the next segment. Um, but yeah, the next game, our next set of players between those Rams and the 49ers, Kyron Williams, man, running back two on the week, 14 for 52 on a touchdown, six for 48, receiving with a touchdown on 10 targets. Puka Nakua, 15 receptions for 147 yards on 20 targets. L-O-L. Are you kidding me? (laughs) (laughs) And then to the other side, the team actually won the game with the 49ers. CMC doing CMC things, 116 yards rushing and a touchdown. Debo, 63, um, receiving and a touchdown, and then had 38 rushing and a touchdown. Thoughts on these Rams and or 49ers? Yeah, for the Rams guys, Kyron, Puka, and also throw Tutu Atwell in there. Um, it's I think it's too early to call them league winners, but they could end up being um they could end up being like playoff qualifier um MVPs. Because you know, like when it starts to get down to like weeks 12, 13, 14. And you're looking for those last few wins. Well, these guys could be the ones that help put you in position to get those um, to get you know to to separate yourself uh, to to actually qualify for the playoffs. Where you know in fantasy, it's 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 a coin, it's a coin flip. It's a mad dash to to win the championships. You just want to get into the playoffs. So these guys could what they're doing right now could help be the difference that gets you into the playoffs. Um, um, once the final weeks of the regular season roll around, um, 
and it's it, it's amazing what they're doing. This this usage. A certain select few saw it coming, especially as regards Puka. I wasn't I wasn't one of them. I have him on like a few best ball teams, but like that's really it. I was not targeting him in drafts and. To this point in the season, that's looking like it's gonna bite me in the ass. Um, but shout out, shout out to that man and to the people who had the vision um on, on what Puka could be. Um as for the 49ers guys, hey man, like this stuff is it's just kind of another day at the office for 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 these dudes. Um the only thing that I, I think I'd mention on top of what you said is that Ayuk could have been down on this page. As well, because he got he got open and was streaking down the field, and Purdy overthrew him at least once, maybe even twice, with what would have been um, what would have been long touchdowns. So, like this, um, we, we could have had one more name to to add to this kind of roll call that we're doing right now. But um, yeah, nothing out of the ordinary or nothing out of the unexpected for me with the with the 49ers dudes. Word up. To the next kind of game or set of players, Raheem Mostert, man. 18 for 121 and two touchdowns. Been waiting on this Raheem Mostert for a minute, man, but I don't have any shares of him. Well, actually, now I think about it, I do have one, but I can't start him. Anyways, running back six on the season overall, but running back five this week. And also, on the other side of the ball, hey, New England, Hunter Henry. Tight end two on the week. And this is the other tight end that has had two top five performances. Six for 52 on seven targets and a tutty. Thoughts on this Miami and New England game? Yeah. Um, you know, as far as that Mostert performance, you know, we, we got – it could be one of two things, right? It could be like maybe this um, – maybe this Miami running game has kind of found its legs. You know, he he had 10 rushes for 37 yards and a touchdown in the game against the Chargers. So uh, I don't know. It could have just been a thing where, um, and I wish I knew more, I was more of a football guy to answer this, but it could have, I think it was kind of just a thing where the Patriots are like, you're not getting deep on this. <laughs> run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, but you're not, you run the ball or throw the ball, like, you know, kind of intermediate over the middle, you're not getting deep on us. And the good thing about this performance from Raheem Moser was that he showed that he can do it and that the that this is, you know, it's something that's in the Dolphins' bag. So that was good to see. Uh, you know, at the very least, you know, we'll have an, probably another two more weeks of this from him, and then we'll get some uncertainty thrown into the mix when um, Jeff Wilson presumably returns in week five, though that's not necessarily set set in stone, but um, but yeah, that could throw a little, you know, a little cloudiness into the mix. But Raheem is making the case to make himself kind of the feature back. Um, so you know, at least he's giving himself that out once Jeff Wilson returns. And Hunter Henry, you know, I, I mentioned this in a previous pod, but before he was a guy that I was, you know throwing on to a bunch of my best ball teams in the 17th, 18th round, just, you know, to kind of help with three tight end builds. And on on every single one of those teams, like he's the only tight end that has points for me um, <laughs> uh, right now. So, you know, it, it certainly looks like he's he's got that, um, 
he's he's the main guy that they're looking to get the ball to in the in, in the red zone slash goal goal line passing situations, and it kind of tracks. It makes sense given what we remember about him from his time with the Chargers. It's just that you know maybe we kind of forgot about it because of what they did last year under Matt Patricia and how kind of just utterly inept the offense looks. But um, yeah, uh, he's. It, 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 it is a shocker, but also, you know, I believe New England has passed the ball 96 times um, over their first two games. So, you know, Hunter Henry is going to be a part of that. And it looks like uh, it looks like he's going to be one of Mac's main targets. It is appearing as such. And then finally, we got some other wide receivers. We got Keenan Allen, eight for 111 on, and two touchdowns on 10 targets. Mike Evans, six for 171 and a touchdown on eight targets. And then T. Higgins and Mark Andrews in that Baltimore-Cincinnati game. First with Mark Andrews, five for 45 and a touchdown. He saw eight targets. And then T. Higgins had two touchdowns to go with 89 yards. Uh, For me, I'll lead off here with Mike Evans. Like, man, around – you know, draft time, this man was going as like a wide receiver three and the talent, it had nothing to do with his talent profile. Like Mike Evans has been like a wide receiver one getting a thousand yards for pretty much his whole year. I mean, his whole career. And Baker comes in here and it's like, but Mike Evans like, man, me and Baker rocking, baby. We Texas boys, Texas gang, gang, gang. (laughs) And them boys are just rocking out, man. Um, but, yeah, good for Mike Evans. Had a 70-yard bomb for an amazing touchdown. That was good to see. So, yeah, Mike Evans, if you got him, he's probably a wide receiver three, possibly even a four on your team, and you're gravy, man. Any thoughts on these other guys? Yeah, um, you know, with T. Higgins, there's a bounce-back game. He saw eight targets in week one, had zero receptions. We We know T. Higgins. We know his work. We know that's not that wasn't going to be forever. So it was good to see him bounce back the very next week. A um, little concerned for Jamar Chase, maybe, but yeah, you know, <laughs> we know who T. Higgins is. Um, so yeah, he he uh, good to see him return to form. And Mark Andrews finally got you know I say finally he only missed one game, but you know got out there and played his first game of the season. Barely squeaked over the end zone for that touchdown, but. You know he's, we know he's one of Lamar's favorites in the uh, in in the red zone and the goal line to go situation. So um, it was it was good to have that, I to, to actually see that happen. And you know he's good to go now. You know hopefully to return to that tight end number two, perhaps tight end number one on the season uh, type type of deal. And Keenan Allen, he's just doing Keenan Allen things, man. He's he he's known to pop off. Like this, and we figured either between him or Mike um, Mike Williams, at least one of them was going to have a big game um, the, this past week against Tennessee, and they both did pretty well. But Keenan definitely yeah. did most of the eating. Yeah, Keenan had the two touchdowns, and that was the the separator there. They both had eight receptions, and of course, Allen had a couple, well, thirty more yards or so. But yeah, those touchdowns are everything in fantasy. The last thing in our wrap-up, I guess it'll be considered a low light and the thing that you hate to see in football, but it happens. 
injuries. We got a lot of injuries to some top fantasy options. Um, and I don't even think this is all of them, but we'll just run through them real quickly. We got Joe Burrow uh, dealing with his calf again, re-aggravated that. Anthony Richardson suffered a concussion. We'll get more news on that if he's ready to participate um, by next week. Nick Chubb, knee injury, really bad, really ugly to see. If you saw the angles, if you didn't, don't go look for it, but he's out for the season. Saquon Barkley with an ankle injury. Um, It's been talked about two to three weeks for him. I think, has there been any news you heard on that? Did they do any x-rays or MRIs or something? Um, yeah, they did x-ray it and say that it wasn't it wasn't broken, but he was meant to go for it. To, we're recording this on Tuesday. He, he was meant to go for an MRI yesterday, and I think that's where the two- to three-week time frame came out. But I saw a news update today saying something to the effect that Dayball has yet to rule him out for Thursday's game. I think that has more to do with gamesmanship against um, – so, like, the, the other team has to still prepare as if Saquon is going to play to distract them a little bit. I, I can't see how he's going to play. But that news was floated out there, so it's something to consider at the very least. Got you. David Montgomery with his thigh. Um, initially, I saw he would need a couple of weeks. Um, but He uh, said that himself. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. He'll he'll have a couple weeks according to him. Um, I'll get into a little bit more of that in the waivers. And then Deontay actually went to the IR and he'll be out for four weeks at least. Unfortunate thing for some high value players, but in fantasy, we adjust, we make trades or we hit the waivers, AKA, I got five on it. But won't bump. Hey, play that music. Hey, hey. hey. <laughs> I got five on it, rep- representing. I got money on it. You know what I'm saying? Representing Fab League, where we like to bid or put up money for the players in order to acquire them. Let's get into it. We'll start first with running backs. Uh, Jerome Ford. Very impressive performance on his end against Pittsburgh. Obviously, he came in uh, for Nick Chubb for the Cleveland Browns. Um, you also have to be aware of Kareem Hunt in the in this situation, too. He did visit with the team, so it is a possibility he may sign with the team as well. We got Matt Breda. We talked Can about I say something about Jerome Ford real quick. Yeah, go ahead. Just he, to, to me, he's an empty the clip kind of guy um what you were what you were putting down or what you saw people you know putting down on puka and um kyron williams um last week and they probably would have put it on more on kyron uh, had they known cam Akers was going to end up doghoused you got to put that up for jerome ford if if, if you're trying to get him because somebody is going to and i think it's probably it's, it's it's a good bet because like you said he did look impressive this this past week and you're getting basically a the the lead rusher on a team that wants to run the ball a lot and you'll have him from week three to god willing week 17 when you win your championship so you know it's to me it's worth the money 
Yeah, I, I agree on that. I do think they're going to sign somebody else, though. Um, and like I said, Kareem Hunt did visit with the team. But I would still, even if they sign Kareem Hunt, I would expect Jerome Ford to lead that backfield unless Kareem just comes in and he's, you know, old Kareem, then all bets could be off. Um, Matt Breda, running back for the New York Giants. We just talked about Saquon, um, you know, the gamesmanship, as Daryl said there. But I think he's going to miss a couple weeks for sure. So Matt Breda could be a decent option for you. And Craig Reynolds, uh, this is the running back for Detroit with uh, David Montgomery's injury. Uh, Jameer Gibbs should become the, the number one guy, if you will, on the depth chart. But they've shown time and time again when they've had a running back injured there, they're going to feature another or they're going to have another guy in there as well. Um, so out of these three, I would pick them up in that order of Ford, Breda, and Reynolds. But there are a couple other guys that Daryl has, and he'll get into them now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so to speak on Craig Reynolds just a little bit, too, I expect him to kind of – I expect him to get the rushing work um, while David Montgomery is out and then for, um, for Jameer's usage in the pass game – to tick up because Montgomery was a type that he could do both um, or coaches would use him to do both. Um, but now that he's gone, Craig Reynolds, I don't think has been much in the way of a passing down back. I think, I think um, so I think Jameer Gibbs will end up getting the lion's share of what Montgomery is leaving behind as far as the passing game goes while Montgomery's out. Anyway. Um, so yeah. A few guys I have here, Justice Hill, um, he's he's in kind of a fully blown timeshare, but it's just him and um, it's just him and Gus Edwards. And they're they're splitting most everything, you know, around near 50-50. And we've been seeing Justin Hill, Justice Hill get um, get some goal line work. Uh, we've seen this the first two weeks. We, we, you know, we've seen him be involved in the passing game and he's um, – He's not necessarily way less than 50% owned, but significantly less than 50% owned. He's a guy to look out for. Um, so it looks like Jamal Williams is going to be out for some time for the Saints with uh, with a hamstring injury that he picked up last night against the Panthers. So I have Tony Jones and Kendra Miller on here. Both of these guys are less than 50% owned. Now, Alvin Kamara is only going to be out one more week, right? Um, he, he only got a three-game suspension. So Alvin Kamara will be back in week four, but still for next week, Tony Jones and if Kendra Miller is able to get it, it sounded like he was close to playing this week. So um, there is a decent chance that he'll be out there and ready to play for next week. And particularly with Kendra, you know, there was a lot of hope for him going into this season and now with you know that that during the time that Alvin Kamara was out Kendra would get some time to shine and perhaps push Jamal Williams out of the way Kendra got his own injury hopefully he's able to come back in this week and you know maybe get that get that one game to show that he should be the guy behind Kamara and you know at the very least, he'll have a good chance to get a good bit of the rushing work for next week when the Saints play. Um, Zach Moss, 
We talked about him earlier. He got a ridiculous bit of the rushing work this week for Indy. He's less than 50% owned. That needs to be fixed. Um, and the last couple guys, Jalen Warren and Chuba Hubbard. Jalen Warren, if you watch when the Steelers play, way, way, way more pop than what Najee has. We don't know how stubborn the Steelers coaches are going to be about, you know, running Najee into a brick wall over and over again. But to everybody who's seeing this, Jalen Warren has the most pop out of those two guys. And he has some standalone value. So he has standalone value and he has contingency value. So basically he's out. He can win the job from Najee outright. He's already showing some standalone value with, with the bye weeks coming up. So, you know, you could do worse than to plug him in for a guy you have on bye. And if Najee gets injured, he has three different outs to earning some more, uh, or, or he has three different outs to being valuable to your team. So I think he's worthy of rostering, especially in deeper leagues. And lastly, Chuba Hubbard, he's getting the two-minute down work. He's just about splitting the passing work with, um, with Miles Sanders. And Miles Sanders is taking the majority of the rushing work, but Chuba has been way more efficient in the rushing game. And Chuba's had some standalone value as himself, especially in PPR leagues these last couple of weeks. He's less than 50% owned. That needs to be fixed as well. Agreed, agreed on that with Chuba. Let's get to the wide receivers. The number one pickup for me this week, um, it would be Tutu Adwell. And this is just looking from the perspective of guys that I've seen less than 50% rostered in Sleeper. It's a guy that's seeing 90% of the snaps or more and seeing a 20% target share. Like, that needs to be on your roster. And even to the point with some of your rosters, it needs to be actually in there <laughs> being played. So Tutu Adwell would be my number one. Um after that, we got – I have two – well, two or three other guys here I'm interested in. Um, I'll go first with Jaden Reed. Had the two touchdowns. Now, again, the caveat with him is what is the snap – you know, what is the snaps going to look like once Christian Watson comes back? But I think Jaden Reed has shown enough talent-wise that, you know, if you're in one of these deeper leagues, he should be rostered on your team and, you you know, weighing out what you see there. Uh, Tank Dell the wide receiver for the Houston Texans. We just talked about him, had 10 targets this past week, uh, played significantly more with Noah Brown out. Um, I think Tank Dell is definitely a guy who could be a PPR uh, machine for you, especially if, excuse me, if C.J. Stroud is going to be passing like this. Now, I don't think he's going to be doing the amount of pass attempts that he has been doing because if he is, the numbers probably extrapolate more than what, you know, Tom Brady did uh, last year, pass attempt wise, but Houston is not, Houston's not afraid to pass the ball. So, you know, look at Tank Dell. And then Josh Reynolds, um, another good day for him in this offense. I had talked about this in a division preview to keep your eyes on the snap percentage of those wide receivers outside of Amon Ra to start off the season, simply because one, one or two of those guys could potentially have some fantasy value. And lo and behold, it looks like it's Josh Reynolds. So I do think he's a rosterable, rosterable player as well. 
For sure. I'm on board with all of those guys. I'm, absolutely. Um, so if you guys all mention Kendrick Bourne, um, so far he's run 74% of the routes for the Patriots, 25% target per route run, and he has 39% of their air yards. And again, I mentioned earlier that the Patriots are passing the ball a hell of a lot too. They already have 96, they have 96 pass um, attempts through two weeks. Um, the biggest concern for him is that he saw his route share dip down to 55% last week from 93% in week one. And, you know, that probably coincides with Devontae Parker's return. But he still had 39% of their um, – excuse me, that, that, that's, that's for the season. He still had a very large percentage of their areas. Like, they're looking for him. They're looking for him deep. And the Patriots are still trying to settle their wide receiver rotation. Like if you go look at at, at their um, at their usage, like over, just over these first couple of weeks, like it's a little all over the place. But Kendrick Bourne is there. He's been used as their deep threat. So I think he's somebody to at least roster and see how this how this whole thing shakes out. And one more little nugget on him, you know, per established the run, he's fifth and wide receivers and expected fantasy points per game. Um, so, you know, he obviously he's not fifth in, in realized fantasy points per game. That's just an expected fantasy points per game. So he could be due for a bounce back or like a little bit of regression. He could be basically ending up with better results than he's shown so far if he ends up um, kind of getting, getting more run uh, going, going forward. Uh, yeah, you hit on Tank Dell. Um, another Houston wide receiver I think is worth mentioning is Robert Woods. Again, it's banking on the whole Houston pass volume thing. And for the season, 81% of routes, 22% targets per route run, and 26% of the air yards for the Texans. He's kind of got that security blanket type um, situation going on. He's the security blanket, not Dalton Schultz. Um, so I, I think he's a guy, you know, as we come along to these bye weeks, he could certainly be a, a, a decent, a decent to good fill-in for you. And the last guy I have is Rashid Shahid. And basically the thinking on him, he's currently wide receiver 22 on the year. His usage isn't spectacular. Um, he's, uh, you know, he's out there for 66% of the routes, but when he's out there, they're looking for him and he gets a lot of, he, he gets, you know, a lot of deep looks from Derek Carr. Derek Carr loves to throw the ball deep. Oh, he had, um, Shahid had a couple big deep catches. I think one damn near sold the game for them last night. So, you know, I think he's certainly rosterable and, um, you know, kind of a break glass and emergency type wide receiver to have on your roster, especially in deeper leagues. Agreed on all of those guys as well. Let's look at some tight ends. Go first with Luke Musgrave. Um, another week where he ran over 80% of the routes at 81%. Target share was 13% this past week. So overall, 81% for the season on routes and 14% target share. I think he's a guy that... You know, in, in deeper leagues, you can run him out there as your starting tight end. Um, 
But for me, it's more of a situation where I do have him rostered in one league where I'm still kind of um, waiting and seeing. But if you're in a pinch, Luke Musgrave can go in there. But the number one tight end for me that I would recommend, and I know you have a guy too, and it would be hard to believe if he's still over or under 50%, but he probably is. But the guy I'm going to talk about is Zach Ertz, tight end for the Arizona Cardinals. Man, first of all, like if you'd have told me a couple months ago, yeah, Zach Ertz is going to be ready to start the season, I would have said cap. But this man is here. <laughs> this man on the season, 83% of the routes run, has a 31% target share, has two tight end one performances, i.e. two the two weeks where he's been tight end uh, one through 12. Pick this man up and start him, man. Like. If you if you got like Tyler Higby, um, you know, if you if you're disappointed in how Chig has looked, even though he's been okay, um, pick up Zach Ertz and start him, man. He's he's out there. Yep. He's out there and he's getting and he's getting targets. Like that's it's we're we're talking bare bones stuff, bare bones qualifications when you're looking at tight end, right? Right. Um, <laughs> so yeah, and the last guy I wanted to mention, we talked about him earlier was Hunter Henry, as of the time we started recording on Fantasy Pros, he was 44.8% owned. So he just barely qualifies. So, you know, depending on your league, there's about a coin flip of a chance that he is um, that he's on the waiver wire. And again, up to this point, he is tight end two on the season. As I mentioned earlier, the Patriots have passed the ball 96 times in two games. A lot of work out there. And their wide receiver core, like I mentioned earlier, is a bit in flux as far as who is um, who's settling into what roles and at what consistency. But Hunter Henry is out there, and he's getting looks, and he's getting end zone looks. So, yeah, you could pick him up and put him into your lineup, like, right away. Well said there. Finally, with quarterbacks, I have one guy noted here, and – the guy I noted here is not recommending for this week, but he does have some juicy matchups the following weeks after that. But Jordan Love, the quarterback for Green Bay, hey, another decent performance here um, down there in Atlanta. Um, almost, almost came out with a victory, but you know, fell a little short. This week they're going up against New Orleans at home, and New Orleans defense has been pretty steady and has been kind of a steady unit the past couple of years. So maybe not looking to start him in a one quarterback league, but the following weeks after that, he gets the Lions, who we've just seen being carved up, and then he'll get the Raiders, who we just saw being carved up as well. So I think he'll have two opportunities here in the future where if you need to get in those streaming streets, how about a little love? Oh, I see what you did there. I'll allow it. I'll allow it. Um, so I've got two guys to mention. Um, it again, if you find if you're finding yourself in a streaming kind of situation, I would suggest Matthew Stafford. Um, this week the Rams are going to Cincinnati. Bengals have given up the fourth most points um, per game to the quarterback position. Their pass rush been kind of mid as far as putting pressure on the quarterback. In the, you know, granted, Stafford's only thrown one touchdown this year, but in their first game, 
he threw for 344 yards. It just happened that all three of the touchdowns that week were scored by running backs. So, you know, that's that won't always be the case. And then this past week, you saw them move the ball pretty damn impressively against yep. a good against a good 49ers defense. Um yep. you know, the the Rams are the Rams are frisky, man. The the, the Rams are frisky and this the, this offense is it looks like it's something, man. So yeah. Um, I wouldn't be afraid to throw him in my lineup in, in a super flex, definitely going in. And if I'm if I'm having a stream, um, you know, th- this week, I would I would certainly be giving him strong, strong consideration. And the last guy I'll mention, um, this isn't a homer pick, um, but I'm going with CJ Stroud as a potential streamer. If uh, if you find yourself in that situation, like I mentioned earlier, Texans have 99 excuse me, 91 pass attempts over the first two games. They're playing the Jaguars, who were giving up the fifth most points to the quarterback position so far. And the Jaguars also had a round of league average pressure rate. Now, the problem with using that pressure rate thing when it comes to the Texans is they were down four of their five starting linemen this yeah. week. So pretty much anybody can get pressure. But the funny thing is um, that even – even given that situation, the boy CJ has not thrown a touch, not, not a touchdown. He has not thrown an interception yet this year. Um, and his pass catchers have been, they've been coming on as, uh, as of late. So, you know, if you need to throw a Hail Mary in a super flex, um, I think you could do, I think you could do a lot worse than CJ. Yeah, from that perspective in a super flex league, I think he's kind of worked himself into kind of a QB2 range. So, yeah, if I'm in super flex and I'm able to pick up CJ Stroud, I'm about it. Yeah. All right. Waivers, a.k.a. I got five on it. Done for the week. Let's end the show with that usual thing of a little DBB, the brothers battle. As brothers, we battle. We are rivals. We like to compete. We'll get into our betting sheet here where we bet either the spread or the over-under for every game of the year. Can you go to the uh, record uh, tab for me? Give the people some records first. All right. So this week, Daryl went 12-5-1. Excellent. I went 11-4-1. Overall on the season, Daryl is 19, 14, and 1. I am 21, 9, and 2. Get me to Vegas, son. Gang, gang. Heater. (laughs) On a heater, indeed. Let's flip over to the week two spreadsheet. Let's see what we got on the picks. Um, Anything to you standing out there that you're just like, oh, man, what was I thinking, R? Your boy, I'm here. Um, so one thing I did, I I put a lock on Indy minus the one and a half against Houston, and that's boo, once I trader, trader, boo. I know, man. It'd be your own people, man. It'd be your own people. Um, but yeah, once once it fully washed over me that they were gonna be down four linemen um to in, in that game. And then um, I know that 
they had two guys in the defensive backfield who got uh, Petrie was out, and I feel like one other, maybe Jimmy Ward, also was was out. So that yeah, with, with those injuries, I was just like, it's already going to be a tough game. Those injuries yeah. are just too important, and if Indy only has to cover one and a half, um, then yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and lock that. So that was one I was. I hate that I had to do it to my own team, but I was proud of that one. Um, the what was I thinking? Um, I don't know, man. Like having having faith in the Raiders to go up to Buffalo and cover <laughs> nine points. You know, I I, I I thought they could. I thought they could do it. Um, I probably should have backed off that. You know, once it um, once it was for sure announced that Jacoby Myers was going to be up because it's Devontae wasn't enough to do it himself. Um, but I do, when they're healthy, when their weapons are healthy, I do kind of like that, that, that Raiders, um, that Raiders offense, at least from a fantasy perspective. Um, I should have thought about a little bit closer about that from a betting perspective. Though. So yeah, those are my one good, one bad. For sure. For sure. Um, I think I got three of these things. The first one, Tennessee, Getting points again, you love to see it. Mike Vrabel with the points, three or more. It's like it seems like easy money. This man does it again. Beats the Chargers at home. Shout outs to Tennessee. Nah, not really. We still don't rock with them. Um, second, right. <laughs> second. Um, was this? Let's keep it in order. Uh, Dallas and the Jets, man, 30 to 10. The over under was 39 and a half. I had the under, so I just missed it. Um, well, just missed even just pushing, but it's just one of those things where though the mind frame about picking the, the under there was right. Like, I just thought the Jets would do just a little bit enough to keep the Cowboys' offense off the field, but. The Cowboys just kept getting the ball and at least got three. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So they mm-hmm. kicked four field goals in the second half, which, oh man, poor Jets, man. Like that was that was gonna be a made for TV matchup there with Aaron Rodgers and Dak, but alas. And then finally, um, New Orleans and Carolina, man. <laughs> <laughs> I had New Orleans minus three. This thing was pretty much in the bag the whole way they dominated the game dominating the line of scrimmage had bryce running for his life and whatnot but you know the last minutes of the game we got to do ole 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 and they end up scoring a touchdown carolina goes for two they succeed there and we push yeah that's um a couple things there on that on that particular game. One, you know, throughout the we're, we're a year, we're a season in two weeks into this contest, and by far, my least favorite team having to pick is the Saints. It's you just never know, <laughs> you just never know what what what's going to come out of the box with them. And number two, I hated that last drive you were talking about for another reason because. The boy Adam Thielen both caught the touchdown and the two-point conversion. And that, amongst other things, ended up being a huge difference for me in a fantasy matchup. So uh, 
So boo, boo to the Saints on that. <laughs> Adam Thielen garbage time. Good. Yep. All right. Well, that's week two in the books. If you want to flip over to week three, I got most of the lines on there except for three of the games, and it involved teams that had played on Monday, so there wasn't lines out yet. I'll get it in there, of course, in due time. Your first look at these lines, anything stand out to you? Yeah. um, Baltimore laying seven and a half to Indy in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think they cover that. I've Ooh, okay. I, I I I think they cover that easily. Um, maybe not easily, but yeah, that one looks. I don't like. I don't think Indy's defense is all that is all that special. I think Baltimore is like I think you're really going to see them like really flex their muscle. This will be their third week with the top market offense. And I think Indy is the perfect patsy to come in and just be the first ones to really catch the work from um, from the Ravens. And there's there's like a 50-50 chance that Anthony Richardson plays if he if he doesn't. You know, I think Gardner Minshew is a perfectly fine um, backup quarterback, but I don't think he offers the kind of dynamism that um, that's going to be needed to go up against that Baltimore defense in Baltimore. So, yeah, I even with the hook, I like Baltimore to cover that seven and a half. I got you. Uh, yeah, what stands out to me is that we got some big spreads here. We got Kansas City minus 13 against Chicago, Dallas traveling to Arizona, Dallas a 12-point favorite, and then the Thursday night game, we get San Francisco and the Giants, and San Fran is a 10-and-a-half-point favorite. Um, yeah, it's gonna be interesting handicapping all of those. Um, realistically, it would make sense, like, based on what we've seen, like Dallas minus 12. It seems like you should be picking Arizona because they, they're gonna be feisty at least. But yeah. you no, know, knowing how this goes, Dallas probably gonna go in there and steamroll them by 20 or something. I feel like I'm gonna go back, I feel like. Like taking taking big points with Arizona has um, oh no okay never mind no I they they covered against the Giants never mind um, yeah and they covered against Washington too it wasn't a big oh that's right the, the, the Arizona covers that's right I forgot about that yeah <laughs> I don't know man yeah that 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 is kind of juicy twelve and a half point home dog yeah it's pretty interesting. Pretty interesting. As always, got to do the knowledge to figure out where to come out on it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that's all I got on the week three spreadsheet. Believe that's all we got for today, my man. Um, Of course, later this week, we'll have our week three previews. We'll go through about three matchups, give our fantasy takes on those. Of course, a little I can do that, recap our picks there and have three new picks for you and of course give our picks for the thursday game before we get out of here daryl anything for the good people yeah um if you're anything like me it's important wash week two off of you whether you did good or bad get on these waivers um week three is a new day 
I know you can't say a day is a new week or a week is a new day, but you know what I'm saying. Um, so, so yeah, we keep we keep going. The season's young. We scratch and we claw. Let's go. Absolutely. Work those waiver wires. I'm sure everybody has probably had at least one injury on their team this season. So work the waiver wires, get some trade talks going. It's Derek, my brother, Daryl. If you want to reach out to us, we are at the brothers FF on X. That's D a brothers FF. We're out of here guys. Take it easy. Peace.